0: Hello, people of the way, blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to Joshua 22, the book of Joshua 22. Now remember, we are studying the inheritance for the tribes of Israel. Now we've gone through, you know, multiple tribes, you know, several tribes in our past studies and, you know, and we we get into the beginning of chapters uh, of uh, the book of Joshua. And in the beginning of the book of Joshua, you see the war footing of Israel. And it's so beautiful to see the promises of God, the effectuation of promises of God unto israel it's so beautiful and here we are you know continuing our study in joshua 22 but at the same time continuing our study regarding the inheritance for the tribes of israel now here in verse 1 it's the reubenites the Gadites, and half of manasseh now here we see in verse 1 then joshua called the reubenites the Gadites, and half the tribe of manasseh now do you remember our study in the book of numbers and in chapter 32 how you know the the, uh, 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 the the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half of Manasseh. They say to Moses, they say, "Listen, we want to stay here, Moses." we want to stay here Moses and this is before they entered the promised land and they say Moses this place looks so beautiful our 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 animals we can have you know pastures over here it's you know we want to stay here Moses and then Moses responded to them and said listen this isn't a way for you not to enter the promised land you're still going to go and enter and fight but afterwards okay you know you can you can go according to the, the, the lord who granted this Permission, if you will. Now, these are things that we're going to study a little bit more today. But, you know, I say granted permission. I don't just want to gloss over that because we're going to study this a little bit more You know, as we get further in. But, you know, it's not a way for you to get out of the fight. I mean, picture, for example, if, you know, like, you know, like say you and me, we're in a platoon and we're going to go to war and we're going to fight. And everybody's got to take a bite of that. And so, you know, then you have a couple of guys that say, hey, you know, we want to stay here. <laughs> you know, It's like, hey, listen, you know, that's not happening. You see, I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't want to sound like give a carnal explanation for something spiritual, but that's kind of the gist of what's happening here. You know, it's, Moses is telling them, listen, I mean, in, in Numbers, in the book of Numbers, chapter 32, Moses is saying, listen, this isn't a way for you to get out of, you know, what, what we have to do. You see, it's because, you know, we are going to enter the promised land and this isn't a way for you to kind of back out of it. And so now here we are in Joshua 22 and now we see the effectuation of promises of God. You see, this is post word and post obedience. I'll say that again. This is a big deal. Post word and post obedience i'll say it a third time post word and post obedience now why does he keep saying that what is he talking about what does he mean now the effectuation of god's promises that that's this you know how the lord works he never changes and so you see here in as the in the reubenites the gadites and half the tribe of manasseh they are receiving their inheritance but this receiving the in, of the inheritance, this is post-word and post-obedience. Post-God's word and post-their obedience, post post obedience. And now you see the effectuation of what happens here. Of the, the effectuation of promises in the God and the blessings of the Reubenites, the Gadites, of, and Manasseh. I'll give you an example. Like, for you and me, we have the word of God. The, the word of God is everywhere. You know, I mean... You, you, you hear me say that and you're like, well, wait a second. I don't get it. The word of God is everywhere now. In some cases, it's collecting on, on the dust on shelves. You know, people might have a Bible that's been, you know, sitting on a shelf for their whole lives. It's never been opened, but yet it's there. So we have the word of God, but where is obedience? You see? I mean, I, I say sometimes Bibles collect dust and it breaks my heart. I wish that were never the case, but God doesn't make robots. God doesn't make robots. Everybody has a choice. And where you see obedience is also where you see the effectuation of promise. You see this land that the Reubenites, the Gadites and half Manasseh, this land that they wanted, it was desirable for them. They wanted it. It was it's it's, it's nothing bad. You know, desires Desires themselves, I mean, depending on what the desire is, that can be bad. But like desire, like, wow, you know what? I, this land looks good. And the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half Manasseh, you, you, this seems suitable for us. And not, it's not the Lord that just said, like, you know, flat out, no. But understand, it's like, you know, for back then at that time in, in, in chapter 32 of the book of Numbers, at that time, No. There was still obedience required unto the Lord. I say obedience required, but obedience, which was a choice. They had a choice to make. And they chose wisely. They chose well because they chose to obey the Lord. Not like Achan. Achan chose to obey the Lord, but not for the long run. He chose to obey the Lord in terms of entry into the promised land. And, you know, there were, he engaged in a fight and you figure, okay, well, this is good. But he wasn't in it for the long haul because there was wickedness in his heart. You see, and just, you know, our study from J- Joshua chapter seven, you'll, you'll, you'll learn all about that. But with obedience comes the effectuation of promise. What about the promised land for you and me? And I speak of not a carnal promised land. I speak of the spiritual. I speak of paradise. I speak of Zion. Paradise. When Jesus tells the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. That's what I'm talking about, paradise. You see, for the thief on the cross, I mean, Jesus told him, today you will be with me in paradise. I mean, he was like, you know, minutes away from dying. Maybe, you know, an hour away from dying. I doubt it. He was probably pretty close to dying. Maybe like an hour, you know. But he was pretty close to dying. I mean, same day. And the Lord says, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. You see? And then the effectuation of promises. The promise of the Lord Jesus Christ unto the thief on the cross. You say, well, how could he obey? How could he obey when he was on the cross? Listen, we're not saved by works. We are not saved by works. Lest any man should boast. But as the book of hebrews says we're saved for works you see the works of god remember the when the disciples were called you know jesus says hey you know well i'm paraphrasing <laughs> jesus says you know call, calling the disciples calling them to be his disciples And then they say, you know, Jesus, you know, listen, we're 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 gonna let me go. There's there's a funeral. Let me go bury my family. Let me, you know, listen, my family. You know, I love them. Got my aunts and my uncles. Let me go bury them. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their own. That's hardcore. That's hardcore. In one sense, you could say, like, wow, that's kind of mean. Let the dead bury their own. I mean, that's my auntie. You know, that's my uncle, that's my grandma, that's my grandpa. And you're saying, let the dead bury their own? And how the Bible says it's like they're living, but they're dead. They're living while dead. You see? Now, this is where Calvinists and Reformed theology people get crazy because they say, oh, they, they're predestined for hell. But when you read the Gospels, now, I don't teach Reformed theology. There's plenty of resources. You know, go to thewayunderground.com, and there's resources there about Reformed theology. It's unbiblical. Calvinism, unbiblical. And so you hear me say the Calvinists, the Reformed, they go crazy over this. But for a reason, because their theology isn't biblical. Now, if you're Reformed, if you're Calvinist, I love you. But go to the website, listen to those studies, and you'll understand more. And so when Jesus says, let the dead bury their own, but when you read the Gospels in chronological order, you start to see, wow, these families where Jesus says, let the dead bury their own. Now you start to see, wow, the mom is a Christian. The dad, he's a Christian. You see, the the brothers, they're, they're Christians. The sisters, they're Christians. You see, the family comes to Christ. And I love that so much. Because, you know, never lose hope. Never, ever, ever lose hope. But also understand, you know, Jesus says, whoever loves mother or father more than me is not worthy of me. You see? Whoever loves family more than me is not worthy of me. And that sounds, it sounds, it sounds kind of mean, but when you understand what the Word of God says, it's not like, wow, you know, I have my mom, I have my dad, and I hate them. I have my brothers, my sisters, and I hate them. But understand, when if you love somebody more than Jesus, the Lord Jesus says, that's not happening. That's not good. I mean, it happens, but the Lord says, that's not a good thing. That is not a good thing. And when you love Jesus Christ more than anything, Anything. You love Jesus Christ more than anything, more than anyone. Now you start to see the effectuation of certain promises of God unto you. And when you become a fisher of men, a fisher of women, now, Mom, dad, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, auntie, uncle, whoever, cousin, third cousin, whatever cousin, whoever it is. Now, you can win them to Christ as a fisher of men. You see? It's beautiful. That's how the Lord works. And so, you see, with obedience comes the effectuation of promises. You and me, we also have a promised land. I speak of paradise. You see? If that thief on the cross came down from the cross, he would still have the next day, he would still have the next week, he would still have the next month, he would still have the next year, the next decade. And every single one of those days, he would have a choice to make. Am I going to honor the Lord or am I not going to honor the Lord? Am I going to live sacrificially unto the Lord or am I not going to live sacrificially unto the Lord? You see? And Satan... He knows, wow, this guy's a believer. And so I'm going to get him to stumble. I'm going to get him. I'm going to tempt him with this. I'm going to tempt him with that. I'm going to tempt him here. I'm going to tempt him there. Because I want this guy to fall. Because Satan knows he's going to burn in hell. And he wants to drag God's people with him. He wants to drag God's creation with him to hell. You see? Now for the saint, you have a choice to make. No, I'm going to walk with the Lord. You see? Now, Satan, he's going to drag people to hell. Now the Christian has another choice to make. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. But for these other people that Satan has in his grasp, I'm going to go fishing. You see? I'm going to catch them. And I'm going to win them for Christ. And win them to Christ for his kingdom. You know what that's called? That's called works. Remember, we're not saved by works. But Hebrew says we're saved for works. You see? And with obedience comes effectuation of promise. And so we continue here in verse 2. And so Joshua, he called the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, verse 2, and said to them, You have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, And have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. You see, leadership matters. Remember our study through the pastoral epistles? How many times did you hear us say, leadership matters? Now, when you understand formula, biblical formula, leadership is beautiful. Because Moses doesn't say, hey, I'm the leader, go and wash my car, you know. Joshua doesn't say, oh, you know what, Uh, uh, you're going to be my servant, uh, so, you know, you wash my car because I'm the leader. No, that's carnal. You don't see that among godly leadership. You don't see that. But as servants of the Lord in his house, in the Lord's house. Remember our study in Hebrews, how Moses was a servant in the master's house? We all must choose obedience unto the Lord. And it's the Lord who called Moses to lead the children of Israel. The next generation, you know, there's the the second generation of Israel, but there's also the the next generation of leadership where we have Joshua. You see? And, you know, when we studied Joshua chapter 1, that was kind of difficult. It was difficult for me to teach. It was difficult for me to teach because I want every single one of us to lean on the promises of God. I mean, "Fear not. Fear not for I am with you." When when God says that, that's beautiful. "Fear not for I am with you." That's that's incredibly beautiful. That is a beautiful promise of God, but remember the Lord is speaking to Joshua. The Lord is speaking to Joshua. A lot of times people have that on magnets. They have it on posters. Oh, you know, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. You know, be strong and courageous and all. Remember, when you look at Deuteronomy where the Lord says, I will never forsake you. But in the same chapter, he says, I will forsake you. What happened? Did the Lord change his mind? No. The Lord didn't change his mind. It's the people, they changed their heart. You see? The people changed their heart. You see? And it's happening today. People change their heart. Have you ever seen somebody on fire for the Lord? And they love the Lord. It's like, wow, this guy, this lady, they're unstoppable. They're on fire for the Lord. And it's it's beautiful. But it's like, you know, five years later, ten years later, you know, they're doing crack. You know, 10 years later, you know, the guy is having sex like crazy, you know, with the strippers, the prostitutes, gambling, you know, and doing the Ouija boards, you know, worshiping Mary. 10 years later, she's doing her chakras, her crystals, her yoga, her hot yoga and all this, all that. It's like, whoa, what happened? Then you say, hey, I thought you were Christian. What happened? They say, oh, you know, I'm not down with that anymore. I don't go to church anymore. I don't do this anymore. You see what happened to the fire? You see, and you see fidelity unto the Lord, faithfulness unto the the, the Lord is faithful he has uh, he has shown himself he has proved himself as faithful. what about our faithfulness unto the Lord what about your faithfulness unto the Lord what about my faithfulness unto the Lord? you see remember this is this is a it's a marriage now the wedding hasn't happened yet you know prophetically speaking the wedding hasn't happened yet the bridegroom is coming but fidelity unto the bridegroom that's a big deal that's a huge deal you see And so you have here, when Joshua calls these people, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half Manasseh, he's saying, listen, you kept the, in verse 2, you've kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you and have obeyed my voice and all that I have commanded you. You have not left your brethren these many days up to this day, but have kept charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. You see, it's the Lord who told Moses, The Lord who told Moses and Moses who told the Reubenites, the Gadites and half Manasseh. You see? Now, remember, the Reuben, the the Reubenites, the Gadites and half Manasseh, they wanted the land. They wanted to stay in the land east of the Jordan. They desired it. You see? Now, their desire wasn't anything inherently bad at all. How to achieve it was. Let me say that again. Their desire wasn't bad but how to achieve it was because if you remember our study in numbers the reubenites the gadites and half manasseh they say wow this is a desirable desirable land and they said to moses moses let us stay here we want to just stay here you guys can go do your deal but we want to stay here you see but the commandment of the lord here in verse three it's from the lord and the Lord told Moses and Moses told them, listen, no, this isn't a way for you to get out of the fight. I mean, I give that example that earlier, like we're in a platoon of warriors. We're in a platoon of fighters and we're in a war footing. We're in a war campaign and we're going to go and engage. We've, we've we, 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 we received orders and we're going in. Then you have a couple guys, you know, say, hey, you know what? We want to stay here. That, that's not happening. You see? That's not happening. And that's what the Lord says to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half Manasseh. the, The Lord didn't just flat out say like, you know, you know, like, listen, we have desires. You and me, we have desires. Now, you know, there are carnal desires and then there are spiritual desires. Now, with growth and maturity and understanding all and, you know, transformation being created into a new image, your desires are going to change. 100%. Your desires will change. You know, before you came to Christ, you know, your, your desires might be very carnal. You know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, the whole nine yards. But then in Christ, your desires change. And yes, they do change. Now, where they don't change, when you st- when you see desires that don't change, there's a problem. There's an issue. There's something that needs to be addressed. Because the defunct pastors and the defunct elders, they do not address these things. You see... You and me, we are to move on to perfection. Remember, Philippi, Philippi, and Corinth. You say, "Well, they're all Christians; they're all saints." Yeah, they are, but there's a difference. When you look under the hood, there's a difference. Philippi ain't Corinth, and Corinth ain't Philippi. You say, "But they're all Christians." Yeah, look under the hood, and listen to our studies. You know, our studies through First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, and then get you know all the way to Philippians, and you'll see. Wow, there's a difference in these churches. Then you start to see, wow, who are the the, the the full package pastors? The full package pastors are found in Philippi. The defunct are found in Corinth. Listen to our studies; they're archived. You see, and it's very important to understand. It's like, wait a second, for these Reubenites, the Gadites, and half Manasseh, their desire—listen—it was beautiful land. It's not; it wasn't a bad thing to desire. How to achieve it was, you see. And that's, you you see, when they, when they asked Moses, they didn't want to pass into the promised land because of their desire for the land that was east of the Jordan. You see, they had the desire, but they wanted to take it upon themselves to achieve that desire. But with obedience unto the Lord, listen, there is a manner of conduct that is pleasing to the Lord. Remember when we started our study in Leviticus and there was a challenge that was posed about our lives, your life, your life, my life. To start thinking of our lives as a sweet aroma unto the Lord. Now, what aroma do you want to present to the Lord? Do you want to be a sweet aroma? Or do you want to be, you know, funky and stinky before the Lord? I mean, I, I want us all to be a sweet aroma unto the Lord. I can only make the decision for myself. You can only make the decision for yourself. What aroma do you want to be unto the Lord? You see? And yes, we have desires. But carnal desires, it's an indicator of carnality. Remember what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5? For you and me to bring every thought into captivity To the obedience of Christ. Obedience. In the thought realm. Obedience unto Christ with our thoughts. You know what that means? That means you're not thinking about the dirty stuff. To be obedient to Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, in our minds. Remember Philippians 4 verse 8? Whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, and praiseworthy, meditate on these things. I love how that is written to the Philippian saints. You see? I mean, it's not to say that the Corinthian saints couldn't have that. But I love how there is emphasis given to the saints in uh, Philippi. The Philippian saints, I love it because understand. Remember when Paul says it's kind of sad, but I get it. I understand. Paul, who is such a wealth of knowledge, and remember, knowledge is a gift of the Spirit, and yet he says to the Corinthians, "Listen, when I I, I can't give you the deep things, why? Because you're still babies." I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he says in chapter three, First Corinthians chapter three. You're still babies. I mean, what mother would feed a, 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 a five month old pork chops, you know, a, a baked potato, you know, a a baked potato, pork chops, and, you know, a a corn on the cob and, you know, put a a five month old, you know, at the table and say, Hey, you know, you know, baby girl, here's your food. No, that's foolishness. Baby girl can't even cut the, no, no teeth to eat the corn. Baby girl doesn't know how to use a fork and a, a knife. Baby girl can't even pick up the pork chop. You see? Milk. And milk is beautiful, but understand milk is for babies. But with growth and maturity, baby girl, in the course of time, she can eat the pork chops. She can eat the corn on the cob. She can eat the baked potato. You see? there is a manner of conduct that is pleasing to the Lord. You and me, we have a choice to make. Do we walk in that? You see? For the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half Manasseh, they do inherit the land that they desired. They do. And that's what we're studying here in Joshua 22. They do. But it's in a manner that is pleasing to God because before they wanted to. They they wanted the land. It was desirable for them, but it wasn't right when their desire their their, their desire that they had before. There, for them, there was a manner of conduct that was pleasing to the Lord. What was the manner of conduct? A enter the promised land. There is a period of, there is a war footing. You see? And we're talking formula because remember, the formula is got to be right. When the formula was wrong in Achan, you know, say goodnight, Achan. It's over, Achan. But that was Achan because he made his choice. And I don't mean to gloss over it like, you know, okay, it's no big deal. Listen to our study through Joshua 7. That's a big deal. The sin of Achan. It's a huge deal. And so you see the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half Manasseh, they absolutely inherit the land that they did desire. And it's still desirable for them. But now it's in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord. It's with the guidance of Moses and Joshua. You see, leadership matters. Leadership matters. It's not Moses getting on a high horse and be like, no 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 you can't have this good land. It's not Joshua getting on a high horse and saying, you know, hey, you can't have this land. Go wash my car. You can't wash it. You can't have, you can't have this go go uh, you know, uh, clean my house, go clean this, you know, like a servant class, creating a servant class. That's carnal leadership. I don't even call it leadership. It's dumb leadership. Cuz it's carnal. And you see that sometimes. You see it in churches sometimes. Where pastors, you know, they have their pastor parking spot and they're treated like they're like royalty. And it's like, well, wait a second. Remember what Paul says? Paul, who's like a pastor of pastors. And he says, we're trash.
1: That's what he says.
0: You read 1 Corinthians 3 and 4. That's what he says. We're the scum of the earth. But you. You you remember we make the distinctions between field and worker. And that's what Paul says of the worker. He says we're the scum of the earth. We're trash. It's so powerful when we have this understanding of how the Lord works. His nature and His character that is learned in the entirety of the Bible. Old Testament and New Testament. And within the framework of covenants, you start to see like, oh my goodness, Lord, you're so good. You're so good because remember, his work was finished at the beginning. And yet all these things were put into motion. Covenant or promise to Abraham you know covenant uh, within the framework of the you know the law you know covenant of the law and then you know the law and operation unto the law but remember the law is a passageway and within that passageway a person learns to fear the lord trust the lord love the lord which is also a passageway unto faith because remember our study in hebrews the mixture of faith Very few reach that mixture of faith. Very, very few. Within the framework of the law, very, very few reach that. Moses did. Hannah did. Samuel did.
1: You see?
0: Rahab did.
1: It's powerful. You see?
0: Leadership matters. It's not Moses and Joshua that get on a high horse. Imagine if the leaders were not Moses and Joshua. Now, I don't want to be heretical in saying this, but imagine for a moment if the leaders were not Moses and not Joshua. And the desire for the land, if the Reubenites, Gadites, and half Manasseh, if they asked another per, another person, hey, we want to stay here. Sure, no problem. You know, no, no problem. No big deal. Listen, if God is for us, who can be against us? You see, it sounds nice. It sounds good. But it's disobedience because that's not what the Lord wants. That's not what the Lord desires. You see, there has to be alignment with your and my desires alignment with god's desires now if you're not a believer it's like that's how is that possible for creation's desires to match the desires of the lord well outside of christ it's impossible inside of christ it's entirely possible it's a whole new ball game inside of christ abiding in christ it's a whole new ball game because Jesus says, I and my Father are one. And when you and me yield to Jesus Christ, the transformation. I mean, if I were to tell you my desires 25 years ago, you would vomit. You would straight up vomit if I told you, hey, listen, you know, I gave you a list. Like, here are my five desires. You would vomit and want nothing to do with me. But if I were to tell you today what my desires are, you'd... It's different. That's called a transformation. And the same... I mean, what about your desires? Before you came to Christ, what were your desires? But now that you're in Christ, what are your desires? Now listen, if you've been walking with the Lord for like five years, ten years, and your desires are still carnal... I mean, understand, there's still going to be elements and aspects of carnality because we're in the flesh. We're not dead yet. You see... We haven't died yet, you know. We, you know, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and you know. But we can sin less and less and less. But if you're still having the same problems and the same issues that you had when you were like, you know, a fresh Christian, that's a good sign that you need a new pastor. That's a good sign, a strong sign, because he's not teaching you. He's not teaching you well. Where's the power? Remember, church, it's not like, you know, a social club. It's not like we got, you know, look, I got my friends. We're going to talk politics. We're going to talk sports. You know, has a stock market. Talk business. Talk this. Talk that. You know, do our little couponing, you know. Have our little sewing club and get, I mean, you know, if you're, you know, if you're female and you're into sewing, you know, sometimes in churches you have this sewing club, you know. But, you know, it's not a social club. It's a training ground. It's a training ground. It's like a, a, a mat. I like, you know, you look at the mat. You see like a mat? Like you go uh, you know, like a a, 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 a a kung fu studio, you know, jiu-jitsu studio. You see like the, the fight clubs. It's like you always have the mats. And that's what church is. Learning how to fight. Being equipped for the work of the ministry. Learning how to fight. And engage in this warfare—the good fight. It's the good fight of faith. You see, it's the good fight of faith. And so, if the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half Manasseh—they—if the leaders weren't Moses and weren't Joshua—hey, can we stay here? Yeah, sure. Are you looking? If God is for us, who can be against us? Sure, go go ahead. Look, stay. This is nice land. You see? And when you read the account, you remember our study in Numbers. The Lord says, listen, that's sin. If you don't enter the promised land, that is sin. Now I give this example, you know, what if the leaders weren't Moses and Joshua? And they just asked some, you know, Joe Schmo. Hey, can we stay here? Yeah, sure, no problem. Such a leader would give guidance. He would give guidance. But it would be guidance into sin. You see, Moses and Joshua, in terms of leadership, we're talking full package. And all that's implied. And if you've been walking with us for a while, you listen to our studies, the pastoral epistles, you know, you know, when we say full package, you know what we're talking about. It's very important to make these distinctions and have this understanding because the days that we live in, they're evil. They are wicked. Wicked, wicked, wicked! I wish you know we could say like, oh yeah, go to church, go to church, go to church. But I can't say that anymore. I cannot say that anymore. Oh, you know, you're 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 having problems with your marriage. Go to church. Oh, you're you're you know you're having your problems with alcohol. You're having problems with sex, and you're you know you're you know you're having problems with the crack and you know meth and you know you're having financial problems. Go to church. Go to church. Go to church. Nope, can't say that anymore. Can't say that church is a very dangerous place now. Prophetically speaking, church—it's going to be crazy town. Prophetically speaking, church is going to be a madhouse in the last days. And you look at the theologies that are taught in churches today, and not just the theologies of what is taught, but you look at the fruit of carnality. The wickedness pastors who are doing their sex, they're doing, you know, they, they have their little secret lifestyles. You see? And pastors who are you know, like molesting kids, youth pastors molesting kids. Church is no longer a safe place. You know why? Because the Lord is forgotten. That's why. Why? The Lord is forgotten. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And prophetically speaking, these things must come to pass. It's painful. I don't like saying it because it's painful. It hurts. I wish I could say, oh, you know, you're having marital problems. Go to church. Go talk to your pastor. Oh, what's that? You're, you're, you know, addicted to, you know, pornography. You're addicted to meth. You're addicted to, you know, vodka, whiskey, whatever it is. You know you're having problems. You have you know uh, you you know you, you know you're, you're married and you know you want to kill your wife. Your wife wants to kill the husband. It's like okay okay go talk to your pastor. Got any marriage problems or you know your your kids are going crazy. Hey go go to counseling. Go talk to your pastor. But you know what? Today I can't say that anymore. You see? You know why? Because the leadership they're compromised, but they compromise themselves. You know. But they, various means false teaching theologies that do not line up with the bible you see the hypocrisy you see it everywhere you know it's sad to to talk with a kid and a kid who's adamant like it's just adamant i am not going to church why is that you know having a conversation with a kid who's adamant i am not i'm never stepping foot in a church why is that? And I've had these conversations many times, not just with kids. But for, for me, when it's the kids, it, it, it hurts even more. I don't know why. That's just me. I have a heart for kids. I mean, I have a heart for like adults too. I have a heart for old people. I have a heart for little kids. But when like teenagers or like, you know, in their 20s and they tell me, I'm never going to set foot in church again. And it hurts. So why? What happened? I never want to go to church. You know why? Because of all the hypocrites. The pastors who are hypocrites. And I have no argument with them. I can't... I, there's there's no counter argument to that because listen, I'm on board. You're right. There's There's hypocrisy in the church. But I love when Jesus, when he's talking to Peter... And Peter says, "Well, what about this guy?" And the Lord says, "Listen, forget about it. That's between him. That's between me and and that guy, the guy you point to. I'm talking to you, Peter. And I love that so much because if if you're in a situation where it's like, well, you know what? I'm done with Christianity. I'm never going to church." And it's like, you know what? You know, I see these pastors and they're molesting, they're molesting the kids and they say they're people. They say they're men of God, but they're freak shows and they say they're men of God, but they should be in prison. And they, they say they're men of God, but I want to beat them because of what they do to the kids. They want to molest kids. Listen, I'm on board. I'm totally on board. You see, I, I got to be careful because you know, when it comes to molestation, I got to be very careful. I don't like that. I mean, I want to be, just so you know, for me, when it comes to, you know, molestation of children, I don't like rape and murder and stuff. But but for children, I want to be the judge, the jury, and the executioner. But That's me. So I have to be careful sometimes i talk to these people and they're like listen i'm never going to church because of what i see you know the the pastor he's an alcoholic the pastor he does his meth the pastor and he's a man of god listen that ain't no man of god he can call him he can call himself a man of god all he wants he can have the pastor parking spot all he wants but you read the bible that ain't no man of god a molester of kids a pastor who molests kids He can have the pastor parking spot all he wants. You know what the Bible says? He's a wolf. Understand the times. And just as Jesus says to Peter, you know, hey, that's, God's going to take care of him. Cleaner than the mafia, God's going to take care of him. But God calls out to each individually. What are you going to do with Jesus Christ? When the Bible says God loves you and he made a way and his way is his son. The way is his son. The way is Jesus. What are you going to do? Okay, balls in your court. I mean, I don't mean to like say this point blank and put you in a situation point blank, but in a sense I do point blank. What are you going to do? You see? You see? For me, I fell on my knees. When I came, that, that instant of realization, like, what? The wages of sin is death, but God so loves me that he made a way, he made Jesus Christ. Man, I'm going to run into him. I fell on my knees. Lord, forgive me. I repent. And that's what I say unto you as well. Repent. And receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And grow in Him. Mature in Him. And let's journey together. You see? And it's so beautiful to see with the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half Manasseh. Their desires. Their desires. The Lord gave His word. No, you got to go into the promised land. And now you see the obedience where they went into the promised land. And now we're in the inheritance. They're going from tribe to tribe to tribe. And now we're at the Reubenites and the Gadites and half Manasseh. And now they're receiving their inheritance. And what is the inheritance? The land that is east of the Jordan. You see? Beautiful. 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 And you see, in verse 3, when, you know, it says, You have not left your brethren these many days up to this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. You see? And he says, And now, notice, in verse 4, And now, notice that it's not back then. And now, the Lord your God has given rest to your brethren. Notice, it's very important to see here that, The concern and care. Here in verse 4, it's not for Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh, but for others. You see, these others, they have rest. And now that they have rest, now you have rest. I love that. Because in verse 3, you have not left your brethren these many days. remember when they asked Moses they wanted to leave the brethren they say listen you know we want to stay here Moses and Moses you know the Lord says to Moses that's not happening so Moses tells them listen that's not happening I'm paraphrasing but that's the gist of what happens and so the Reubenites the Gadites and half Manasseh they say okay we want to be obedient to the Lord so as the Lord says through you, Moses, yes, we will enter the Promised Land, and yes, we're going to engage in this in 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 this fight, the good fight. And they themselves are, you know, the, the formula is right in them. Now, remember, in order to be this, in order to engage in this fight, the formula's got to be right. The formula wasn't right in Achan, and Achan died. You see. Listen to our study through Joshua 7. You'll understand more about this very holy formula. We see in verse 4, but now the Lord has given rest to your brethren as he promised them. You see, they have... Rest for the Reubenites, Gadites, and half Manasseh. They have it but it's after the brethren. And as verse four says, as as he promised them, I have a message for pastors, the biblical pastors, full package pastors, biblical caliber. When God's promises unto others is more important than God's promises unto you. And I know that sounds strange, but that's what we see in Paul. Remember when Paul says, I wish that I would be anathema from Christ for my people to know Christ? You know how hardcore that is? Paul's making like a trade-off. He's making a trade-off. We're like, listen, if my people can come to Christ and know Christ and believe in Christ and walk with him, I would be anathema from Christ, separated from Christ. You see, and that's what Paul says. His concern was for the effectuation of God's promises that it would apply to them. The effectuation of God's promises would apply to them, but God doesn't make robots. They have a choice to make, you see. And Paul is saying, I want the effectuation of God's promises and God's blessings for them. And if for me that comes at a cost of a curse for me, then so be it. Anathema from Christ. Separated from Christ. That's hardcore. When your concern is for the effectuation of God's promises unto others. Not unto self. And my message for the pastors in these last days is that you will be alone. According to the flesh, you will absolutely be alone. But according to the spirit, that's a different ballgame. Look at Paul. Paul alone. I mean, yeah, he had, you know, in the very beginning, yeah, there were people. Very well respected, Paul. But towards the end, no. People were leaving him. Remember our studies through the pastoral epistles? Saints, not just like, you know, a church here and a church here. No. All the saints were leaving Paul. Look at John the Baptist alone. If you're a shepherd in these last days, I'm not I'm not just talking about you have a pastor parking spot because the real the, the 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 full package pastors they don't even have those parking spots that's carnal. They were drink offerings. Paul, a drink offering. John the Baptist, drink offering. A sweet aroma unto the Lord. Naked before God. Just as we studied on Sunday. You know, naked. I wish I could say, well, naked in the Greek means this. Or, you know, Old Testament. Naked in the Hebrew means this. But no, this is straight up naked. Naked before God. Nothing mangy. And I speak spiritually in saying this. Nothing mangy. But their covering was God himself. That's who their covering was. And for the pastors in the last days, these last days, your covering is God himself. As we get further into the events of these last days, and I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, but you will be hunted. You will be hunted. Prophetically speaking, you will be hunted. On the forefront of this holy endeavor. Keep it on the forefront of your mind, of your heart. God's rest, but, but, not for self. God's rest for the saints, for the flock of God, for the sheep and for the lambs. And to the pastors, the the full package pastors, the qualified shepherds of these last days, all I do is I echo the words of Brother Paul. To live is Christ. To live is Christ Jesus, our King, and to die is gain. And this is the way of the shepherd. Notice what we see here in verse four, actually, verse three and four. For the Reubenites, the Gadites, and Manasseh, you have not left your brethren. You've kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God, and now the Lord has God, the Lord your God has given rest to your brethren as he promised them the promise, the effectuation of promises to them. Now, therefore, in verse four, Return to your tents and to the land of your possession, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. You see, now you have rest. When your brethren, they have rest, now you have rest. That's beautiful. That's That's sacrificial. And notice what we see here in verse 5. But take careful heed to do the commandment and the law. To do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. To love the Lord your God. To walk in all His ways. To keep His commandments. To hold fast to Him. And to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. You see, the doorway that leads to faith is presented right here. Because, remember, in the law, there is a door. In the, and I speak supernaturally in saying this, but in the law, there is a door, a door by which a person learns to fear the Lord. I mean, you got to admit, when someone is being stoned, I'm not advocating, you know, stoning or I'm not advocating the law and saying this. But within the framework of the law, you if you and me were to go in our time machine and we go, go go back in the day to, you know, to, to see we see Aiken say we see Aiken being stoned and we don't realize it's aken just yet we you know we look to the other guy and say hey you know who who, who is this guy that's Aiken what did he do and he explains what he did okay you know
1: i'm not messing around
0: i'm not gonna do that because that's terrifying remember the wages of sin is death now there is only one who is biblically qualified to cast stones, there is only one. And he doesn't cast stones. See? There is only one who is biblically qualified to cast stones. And such a one, I speak of Christ, he doesn't cast stones. Because in the law is a door. You enter that door, you learn to fear the Lord. There's another door. It's a passageway. There's another door. You've learned to fear the Lord. Now you learn to trust the Lord. There's another door. And then you learn to love the Lord. And that's a deep one. You fall in love deeper and deeper and deeper. And there's another door. And that's faith. That's faith. That door is something that very few entered in the Old Testament. Very few entered in the Old Testament. Very few. But that's part of the mixture of God's holy plan. And then the seed came. And I speak of Christ. See? And by faith we receive Christ. Remember the mixture of faith. The very thing that we studied on Sunday. It just so happens, it just so happens, it just so happens. The very thing that we studied on Sunday. The mixture of faith. That very few reached in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament... That's the way. Today, that's the way. And Jesus says, I am the way. The way, the truth, and the life. You see? No one comes to the Father but by me, but through me. I'm just the messenger. It's Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High. You see? It's powerful. And you see this doorway that leads to faith. It's presented right here in verse 5. And in verse 6, So Joshua blessed them and sent them away. And they went to their tents. Now to half the tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given a possession in Bashan. But to the other half of it, Joshua gave a possession among their brethren. Among their brethren, on this side of the Jordan, westward. And indeed, when Joshua sent them away to their tents, he blessed them and spoke to them, saying, Return with much riches to your tents. You see the blessings of obedience. Now, when I say the blessings of obedience here in verse 8, you know, with much riches, you return to your tents. I'm not talking about riches of the world. But the riches that come from God, how he gives and blesses oneness with him, He's more than enough. I'm speaking about riches that are not carnal. Remember, we're in the Old Testament here in Joshua. Uh, in the, the, our studies to the book of Joshua. we this uh, observe Israel according to the flesh, but remember Stephen. Remember Stephen in the book of Acts, New Covenant, when he's stoned. He's dying as he's. Being stoned to death. I mean, they didn't take like little pebbles and throw little pebbles. No, they took like, you know, grapefruit type, you know, size stones. And they didn't just like, you know, a little toss here. No, they would hurl those things hard. And you get hit in the shoulder, that's going to hurt. You get hit in the thigh, that's going to hurt. You get hit in the face. We're talking like cracked skulls. And Stephen, he's stoned to death. And in the riches of God, which are not carnal, he sees Jesus, and he enters rest. You see what we're talking about here? It's a completely different ball game. This is supernatural. This is, you know, promises of God. The effectuation of promises of God. You see, just, you know, I can't tell you how difficult. I, I mean, I can tell you, but words can't describe how difficult our study in Joshua chapter 1 was. Because it, I want us to have, I want every single one of us to, you know, when God says, you know, uh, 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 be strong and courageous, for I am with you. I mean, I want that for all of us. But that's said to Joshua. And it's not to say that those words don't apply to us. But when you look at the life of Joshua, when, when all Israel was defiled, all of Israel was defiled, who wasn't? Moses and Joshua. You see? When all Israel of the second generation When they were, when they had fear, not of the Lord, but of the Canaanites, who didn't. Of the second generation, or, or, you know, the second generation, they wanted to kill uh, Joshua and Caleb. But Joshua and Caleb, no. They were undefiled even still. You see? I mean, you read Joshua 1 and, you know, people have it on their, on their you know, bumper stickers. They have magnets, you know, all, you know, be strong and courageous, you know. I am with you. It's like, wow, beautiful. I love this verse. I love this verse. But don't put it on a magnet. Don't put it on a poster. Put it on your heart. And remember that it's the Lord that said that to Joshua. And you hit the rewind button in Joshua one, you hit the rewind button and go to Deuteronomy. You look at Numbers. You look at Leviticus. And you get to Exodus. When all Israel was defiled, who wasn't? Joshua. I mean, Moses was too, but you know we're talking about Joshua. <laughs> he wasn't defiled. What about today? What about today, as people? defile themselves with the sex, with the drugs, with the alcohol, but that's like a car those are those are the, the carnal impetus. What about the spiritual? Defiled through false teaching, false theology? Who isn't? Who isn't? And those are the Joshuas of these last days the righteous, the remnant. You see? Just like Corinth. When Corinth was defiled, who wasn't? There was a remnant. But you know who shines beautifully bright? It's Chloe. The saints in Chloe's house. Female. A home fellowship. Females. You know how bright they shine? It's not to say that all of Corinth was defiled, but there was defiling. And a little leaven leavens the bunch. It had to be addressed. But then you turn your gaze to the house of Chloe. Oh my goodness. That's like you have to put on your sunglasses because it just radiates with brightness. Light. Light. Oil for their lamps. You see? And so we see here that the the, the other tribes, they have their rest. And now that they have their rest, okay, now we have rest. Now we have rest for the Reubenites, Gadites, and half Manasseh. Here in verse 8, return with much riches to your tents with very much livestock, with silver, with gold, with bronze, with iron, and with very much clothing. Divide the spoil of your enemies with your brethren. And verse 9, So the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh returned and departed from the children of Israel at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to go to the country of Gilead, to the land of their possession, which they obtained according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. You see, remember when they they asked Moses? Many, many, many moons ago, they asked Moses, Hey, Moses, this looks like beautiful land. We want to stay here. And the Lord speaks to Moses, and Moses told the people, Listen, no, you got to enter the promised land. You got to enter the promised land. We're going to fight. And then after that, then you can return here. That's what the Lord wants. According to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses you see it's not Moses getting in like in a in a uh, he's not like getting on a high horse he's not getting on a high horse at all no he's he's a good leader Joshua a good leader but even with Moses just as we studied in Hebrews a servant in the master's house you see servants they don't do their own bidding. I meant the good servants, the qualified servants. They do not do their own bidding. They do the bidding of their master. And in the house of God, the master is Jesus Christ. You see? Jesus speaks to the Pharisees and says, Moses wrote about me. How could that be?
1: You see, intimacy with the Lord.
0: Moses preached the gospel. You say, wait a second, how could Moses preach the gospel? Well, when you listen to our studies through Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you'll see the gospel. It's there. And you'll see it. With eyes to see and ears to hear, you'll see it. When we started our study, our journey through the book of Leviticus, it came with a major warning label. A major, major warning label. Something that we warned quite a bit in our studies through Torah. Making distinction the distinction between covenants. The old covenant and the new covenant. You and me, we are a people of the new covenant. Not the old You see, the new. The the old has the doorway, which leads to faith. But today, the new covenant, it's by faith, abiding in Christ. You see? And so we see here in verse 10. And when they came to the region of the Jordan, which is in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh, built an altar there by the Jordan. A great, impressive altar. Now, you remember when we started? You know, in our study in Joshua, and you, you see the uh, uh, not so much the beginning uh, in, in Joshua, but you know, kind of the, the 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 closure of Deuteronomy, and then you know the beginning of Joshua. We start to see before there's entry into the promised land. You start to see when when in the, kind of like the uh, what happens the the movement of the peoples towards the end of Deuteronomy, and the movements of the people. Toward the Jordan and then passing the Jordan. And then when we passed the Jordan, we counted the stones. Remember when we counted the stones? Inside the Jordan, outside the Jordan, there's the altar. Well, now there's another altar. Now, there are prophetic implications, which we'll study down the road as we get further into the events of the last days. But this act of Reuben, Gad, and Half manasseh it causes quite the stir look at when in verse ten they, they they built an altar there by the Jordan a great impressive altar now look what happens this 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 ruffling of the feathers, so to speak, and we'll explain that look at verse eleven now the children of Israel so you have the you know, you have the uh 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 uh, uh, um, uh Reuben, the the the, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half Manasseh, but in verse eleven, now it's the children of Israel. They hear someone say, say in verse eleven. Now the children of Israel heard someone say, behold, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh have built an altar on the frontier of the land of Canaan, in the region of the Jordan, on the on the children of Israel's side. So it's. West of the Jordan. This isn't east of the Jordan. It's west of the Jordan. And that causes quite the stir. Quite the stir. Understandably so. Well, you'll understand that. as in Verse 12. And when the children of Israel heard it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered together at Shiloh to go to war against them. You see? To go to war. What's happening here? you see this is you know what you see here in verse 11 you know that they, they, they you know they 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 heard someone say that you know that 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 the Reuben Gad half Manasseh they built an altar there on the children of Israel's side now you start to see early signs of division now israel includes reuben gad and manasseh mm-hmm. But there are some lines of demarcation. I mean, if if we were going to be like more literal, Israel includes Reuben and Gad. You see, if we were to be more literal, you know, Israel includes Reuben and Gad. Uh, Manasseh, a little different. And we'll explain that more. Here we see in verse 12. And when the children of Israel heard it. The whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered together at Shiloh to go to war against them. Then the children of Israel sent Phinehas. Remember Phinehas with his javelin in our earlier studies here in in, in the book of Numbers? Then the children of Israel sent Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, to the children of Reuben, to the children of Gad, and to half the tribe of Manasseh, into the land of Gideon, or into the land of Gilead. In verse 4. And with him ten rulers, one ruler each, from the chief house of every tribe of Israel. And one was the head of his father among the divisions of Israel. Then they came, verse 15, Then they came to the children of Reuben, to the children of Gan, and to half the tribe of Manasseh, to the land of Gilead. And they spoke with them, saying, thus says the whole congregation of the lord what treachery is this that you have committed against the god of israel to turn away this day from following the lord in that you have built for yourselves an altar that you might rebel this day against the lord that's that's a hardcore question and this is phineas this is phineas remember phineas stopped the plague Remember our our, our study in the book of Numbers when, 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 uh, when Phineas with his javelin? This is Phineas speaking. This isn't, you know, average Joe speaking. This is Phineas. And Phineas is asking this question in verse 16. What treachery? What treachery is this? Reuben, Gad, half Manasseh? What treachery is this that you have committed against the God of Israel. You see? Because you've turned away this day from following the Lord in that you have built for yourselves an altar that you might rebel this day against the Lord. Now it's like, well, wait a second. Hold on there. You see? He he doesn't stop. He keeps going. In verse 17, is the iniquity of Peor not enough for, for us? Now, Remember Peor in Numbers 25? Remember Balaam and Balak? Balaam is an Old Testament example of a short term believer. And Balak is a type of Satan. And when Balak didn't send his warriors to defeat Israel, he didn't send his warriors. You think like, okay, Israel, you know these are this is a different Israel. They're they're like fighters, and you think, okay, Balak's going to send his mighty warriors down, but he didn't do that. Through the counsel of Balaam, he learned how to defeat Israel. How he would defeat Israel is to get them to deny the Lord. That's how he defeats Israel. That's how he learned to defeat Israel through the counsel of Balaam. Balaam paid the price. He died. And so, Balak did it. Sent his mighty warriors down. You know who he sent? He sent the women. He sent women. And I don't want to get graphic. I mean, you know, when we studied Numbers 25, that was a difficult study because it's like, man, you know, it, it, yeah, some subject matters are just difficult just difficult. I mean, you know, it's good that we understand it. It's good that we learn. It's good that we have this understanding. It's good that we see how the Lord works, how the Lord operates, how the Lord forgives. It's all beautiful how we see this and studying these things. But it's still painful to have these studies, especially when we see the defiling. I mean, when the women come down and they meet with the guys and then they do their deeds, their sexual stuff, and then all of a sudden the men they you know the women they say you know a like, you know let's worship baal and the men they do it hook line and sinker don't forget satan's a fisherman too he's he's not you know he he's satan he dangles candy You see, he's not going to dang. He's not going to say, hey, you know, walk with me and, you know, I'm going to punch you in the gut and I'm going to knock you out. I'm going to punch you. I'm going to kick you. I'm going to stab you. He doesn't say, hey, I'm going to do this every five minutes. You see? One tooth for every day. Hey, walk with me. I'm going to knock your teeth out. No, he doesn't say that. Satan's a fisherman too. You see? Where are the fishers of men in these last days? We stand on the rock of salvation and I speak of Christ. Satan, he he does so from hell. Hellfire damnation, that's where he fishes. Or that's from where he fishes. And he drags people to hell. You see? And that's what happens. Satan knows how to make you and me fall. But whether or not we take the bait, that's another story. See, Israel became defiled. There were men. They did their sexual stuff with the the women of Balak. They did their sexual stuff. They worshiped the Baals, but not everybody. Phineas was there. He didn't take the bait. You see? And this is something that Phineas is... Calling to remembrance when he says in verse 17, is the iniquity of Peor not enough for us? Remember, when the plague started to spread in Israel as a result of worshiping Baal, the plague started to spread. And it was Phineas who took action with his javelin. Remember his javelin? Beautiful. Beautiful. You see, when everybody was falling, Phineas made a stand When all Israel was defiled, Joshua made a stand. When all Israel had fear, they were instilled with fear, Joshua made a stand. Caleb made a stand. Moses made a stand. Aaron made his stand. Aaron post golden calf because, you know, Aaron was responsible at the golden calf. You see? Look at Hannah. I'm so in love with Hannah. Look at Hannah. The high priest thought she was drunk. And yet she was making her stand. The high priest, by which was deaf, he couldn't hear the Lord. He was high priest. And the Torah says that the Lord would speak to the high priest. But the Lord wasn't speaking to Eli. You see, why is that? Formula. Wrong formula in Eli. But he's the high priest. That's nice. Wrong formula. You see? Just like pastors. Oh, the Lord is speaking through this pastor. He's such a godly man. Wrong formula. You see? He's teaching replacement theology. He's teaching grave soaking. You look at his works, it's hypocrisy, false teaching, false theology. Wrong formula. But he's got the pastor parking spot. That's nice. Wrong formula. According to the Bible, wrong formula. You see, the Bible says it is necessary for Christians to submit to pastors. To submit to pastors. But the Bible also warns about submitting to the wrong pastors. Pastors. So wait a second. If it's, if it's holy and good and beneficial and advantageous to submit to a pastor, but it's the opposite to submit to the wrong pastor, what is the Christian, what is the saint to do? Well, understand the word of God because the word of God teaches us about formula. What is a qualified pastor? You see? It is safe to submit to a qualified pastor. They're rare. They're very rare. They're out there. You see? And it's so beautiful how the Lord teaches us. Look at Paul. I meant for Timothy to submit to Paul. Look how beautiful that is. For Titus to submit to Paul. Beautiful. For Chloe to submit to Paul. Beautiful. For Lydia to submit to Paul. Beautiful. And Paul's not saying, hey, you know, go go clean the toilets. No. He doesn't say that. He's not lording over anybody. He goes out of his way to not lord over anybody. You see? But he makes quite the presentation. It's like, okay, balls in your court. This is what good what is good, this is what is not as good. Okay, now you choose. You see? But for saints to submit to the defunct pastors of Corinth, look what I look how that turned out. For saints to submit to um, Hymenaeus uh, and Alexander, look how that turned out. Now it's not exactly clear on you know how it, it turned out for them, but look at the saints in Asia—they turned away from Paul. They turned their back to Paul. You see, these are things that Paul warns Timothy about. And in the case of Peor in our study in Numbers 25, very, very difficult chapter. Very difficult chapter because I don't like it. When you see Balak as a type of Satan and he's getting Israel to... Now, his objective, his objective, he knows that Israel worships the Lord. And through the counsel of Balaam, he learned, okay, I got to get Israel to worship Baal. How am I going to do that? You see? Because he knows he can't fight, you know, he fights cheap, just like Satan. He fights cheap. He goes for the jugular. He doesn't send his mighty warriors down because, you know, those mighty warriors are going to die. Israel is going to kill them. So what does he do? He sends the women. The women come down. You know, they do their sex, they do their whatever. The men they take the bit those women were like the lures. And then the women say, Hey, you know what? Let's worship Baal now. And then the guy is okay, yeah. Let's worship Baal. And what do you see? You see the worship of Baal in the camp of Israel. Oh man. You see? You see. Hypocrisy in the camp of Israel. Hypocrisy through adultery. You say, well, that's the Old Testament. That's Israel. Really? What about the church today? Hypocrisy through adultery. And when I say adultery, I'll say it another way. Harlotry. And all that's implied. Harlotry has many... Shapes and sizes and forms. Harlotry. You see? And this is Phineas speaking. And he says in verse 17, Is the iniquity of Peor not enough for us? You see? From which we are not cleansed till this day, he says. You see, Israel is still reaping what was sown. From peor, I mean, you have we've passed into the promised land. I mean, Israel has passed into the promised land. They've crossed the Jordan. We have tribes that have received their inheritance, and yet, when Phineas speaks, this is the good Phineas. That you know, the sons of Eli, you know, those weren't good. Those weren't good kids. They weren't raised well. This is the good Phineas. And he remembers. And he says, in verse 17, "Is the iniquity of Peor not enough for us from which we are not cleansed till this day? It hits him harder. And this is Phineas speaking. Israel is still reaping what was sown." And Phineas sees that Phineas understands that. And this is a difficult reality. Reaping what is sown is part and parcel. People like to forget this truth. And, you know, it's seen a lot in marital infidelity. You know, a guy is caught with another woman. And then, you know, the guy, all of a sudden, he becomes an angel. You know, he's caught with another woman. All of a sudden, he's an angel. He's like, you know, getting to church on time, studying his Bible. He's praying. It's like, okay. Most of the time, they're like that because they've been caught. And all of a sudden, the guys, you know, they've been caught in adultery with another woman, unfaithful. And then they say, okay, you know what? I've repented. I'm right with God. Things are back to normal. Come on, let's go out to eat. Let's have a good time. We're a family. But you know what? It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. The man's deeds were repulsive. Repulsive, the man's deeds. Biblically speaking, a wife can leave him. That is not disobedience on her part. The disobedience was on the husband's part. The kids, they might want very little to do with him. And sometimes, you know, people hear me say that. like, oh, that's not very loving. That's not very Christ-like. That's not very Christian. But don't forget, it's Christ. It's the Lord Jesus, red letters, who speaks about this. Oh, that's not very Christian. That's not very Christ-like. That's not loving. Wrong. Wrong. Straight up. Wrong. It's the guy who has forgotten one very basic truth. That what a man sows, he must also reap. You see? What a man sows, he must also reap. What a woman sows, she must also reap. It's basic. And then you have the guilt trippers. Which we've learned about. And if you're listening for the first time, go and listen to our studies. They're archived online. Go to thewayunderground.com. They're archived there. They're archived there for you. So that we can grow and mature together. And you can learn all about the guilt trippers. The danger of the guilt trippers. You see? You can heal in Jesus Christ. Yes, there's there's people today who say, Oh, the book of Acts, that was for 2,000 years ago. The Holy Spirit doesn't do those miracles. The Holy Spirit doesn't do the healing like that. The Holy Spirit, you know, those people are fools. There is no expiration date on the power and the gifts and the moving of the Holy Spirit. There is an expiration date in them. You know why? Because they've quenched the Spirit, what the Bible says don't do, and they've done it. Those are lamps that if they haven't burned out, if they haven't run out of oil, they're going to run out of oil. Those are foolish virgins. That's what the Bible says. Foolish virgins. And some denominations, everybody's like that. Foolish virgins. virgins. You see, I, I wish I could, you know, it used to be, maybe not so much so, but it, it used to be where you could say, okay, look at you, you're having marital problems, go to church. You're addicted to XYZ, go to church. But nowadays, in these last days, you go to church and those problems get worse. You go to church and marriages get worse. People fake it. You see the husband with a smile on his face, the wife with a smile on their face, the kids with a smile on their face because the dad says, hey, you know, uh, 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 don't don't you dare, dare tell anybody, you know, that, you know, I do the sex and the drugs and the crack. Don't you dare tell anybody. And then he tells the wife, don't you dare tell anybody. Look, the pastor says you have to submit to me. So don't you dare because if you don't, there's going to be trouble. Foolish, foolish! You got these men. You know they might think they're tough. They got the big arms. They got the big, big muscles. You know they got the beards. They got the hairy chest. They got the deep voice. It's like, wow, this guy. His he's so big. He's so tough. No, it's a little boy, little tiny baby, because they don't understand maturity in Christ. Has n- you could have noodle arms. You could be little tiny. Little noodle arms. But so strong in Christ. So strong in Christ. You see? And it's so powerful. It's so beautiful. And these archives, they're there so that you can grow and you can mature. You can learn and study all about formulas so that you know. It's like, wow, you know what? I'm in a church. I'm in a fellowship. And... I'm not learning. They're not teaching me. So what is it? Well, it might be that you have to jump ship. And it's probably the case. Because nowadays you have churches where in their denomination and that theology, they teach that the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, that they reserve it for 2,000 years ago. They say, that's not for today. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that anymore. That was for back then. It's not. That was for another dispensation. It's not for today. That's what they say. That's what they teach. And you have entire bodies, congregations, with no oil. No oil. And as we get further into the events of the last days, that's a very dangerous place to be. I mean, it's a dangerous place to be today, but it's only going to get worse. I can't say anymore. Oh yeah, just go to church. Go to church. You'll learn all about righteousness because sometimes you go to church and you learn about wickedness. You see, you learn about wickedness, how to, how to be more wicked. You learn about harlotry and how to play the harlot. You hear me say that, and it's like, I I thought we're studying the Bible. This is biblical. It's one of the signs, one of many signs of the last days.
1: Look at in verse 17.
0: Is the iniquity of Peor not enough for us? From which we are not cleansed to this day. Don't forget, you know, they just got done. The, 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 the Reubenites, the Gadites and half Manasseh, they just got done speaking with Joshua. And Joshua is the one who says, okay, go ahead. Now go, go, go to your inheritance. So they go to their inheritance, but they built the altar, which was caused some issues, major issues. And now Phineas comes to them. And they're ready to fight. They remember they, they they came like for war. They're ready to fight. And Phineas in verse seventeen says, "Is the iniquity of Peor not enough for us, from which we are not cleansed to this day?" You see, even he still feels that Phineas. He still feels that. <sighs> Have you ever? Have you ever heard of sin? And maybe even been in a sin or a type of sin, a form of sin. But for argument's sake, we'll say heard of sin. And you're in a group of believers. It could be one or two people. It could be just you and another person. It might be a larger group. And all of a sudden, this sin is exposed. And the sin is exposed. And in the majority, you have people that, well, it's no big deal. Men will be men. Oh, it's no big deal. Boys will be boys oh it's no big deal women will be women girls will be girls oh it's no big deal oh that's just that's natural that's this but for you it it hurts i it it hits hard it it hurts badly and that's what I think of when I when I see Phineas here The iniquity of Peor. It's like, well, you know that that's over and done with Phineas. But wait a second, it's it's so
1: egregious for Phineas
0: that I don't know if the majority is 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 feeling the same way of Phineas. But for some people, and if I can be frank for a moment, it's. it's beautiful it's some of the most beautiful saints that I've ever known hurt the most they hurt the most and for Phineas we're still not cleansed to this day he says in verse 17 That's why for like this, it's like, wait a second, why Why are the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half Manasseh, what's up with this altar? What's up with this altar that they constructed? What's up? And, you know, they came for war, you know, don't forget Phineas, you know, as much as he's hurt, he has his javelin, you know, he's very skilled with the javelin. Now, I'm not, this is Old Testament, Old Covenant, so I'm not advocating, you know, like, you know, when when there's egregious sin, you know, bust out your javelin. No, we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, which it just so happens on Sunday is sharper than any two-edged sword. You see, it just so happens, it just so happens, it just so happens. you have a majority of people, they hear about something, it's like, oh, no big deal. Men will be men, boys will be boys. No big deal. Little sex here. Little crack here. Little meth here. Man, eh, no big deal. But to you, it's like painful. And I'll say it again, and I tell you the truth. The most beautiful, beautiful saints I've ever known. Ever, ever, ever known. The most beautiful ones. Radiant. The kind where you have to put on sunglasses when you see them. You know why? Because it's like they, they already have a glorified body. That's how bright they are. But of those, they hurt the most. Then you have the fools that say, Oh, you're so sensitive. You're so sensitive. Listen. Sensitivity unto the Spirit? Unto the Lord? That's a bad thing? Nah. Not according to the Word of God. Look at the pain of Paul. Look at the pain. Look at the hurt of Paul. Look at the pain and the hurt of all these godly people. Old Testament and New Testament. The ones who, look at Jeremiah. You read Lamentations. I mean, it's, it's, it's so painful to read Lamentations. It's so painful. But you hit the rewind button into the early chapters of Jeremiah. It's like, well, you know, how come, you know, they called Jeremiah the lonely prophet, the weeping prophet. And you read the early chapters of Jeremiah. It's like, well, what, what's happening? What's, what's the problem here? Why aren't more people listening to Jeremiah? You see, oh, we're the elect. Jeremiah, you're such a fool. Look, at we have our priests. We have our prophets. We have these messengers. And the prophets say, you know what? We're the elect. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Listen, Jeremiah, I know you want to run your jibs, but go over there. Go be by yourself. You want to cry about it? Go weep over there. Go run your jibs over there where nobody listens to you. And Jeremiah didn't cease obedient unto the Lord. He would say, you know, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. And nobody listened. The lonely prophet, the weeping prophet. Oh, oh, Jeremiah, you're so stupid. You call yourself a prophet. Look, we got our prophets over here. You know what the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know what he was saying to Jeremiah? Jeremiah, those prophets, I know they say they're prophets, but I don't speak to them. I'm speaking to you, Jeremiah. And then you read Lamentations. And it breaks your heart. You read Lamentations, it's like, what in the world? It would have been so simple if the people just heeded what Jeremiah was saying. He didn't say, hey, you know what? Hey, he, didn't, he didn't come to town saying, hey, look, I'm a prophet, I'm a prophet. Everybody listen to me. Tithe, you know. you know. Hey, I'll, 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 I'll tell you a message from the Lord, just give me a hundred bucks. He, he didn't, no, he didn't do that. Thus saith the Lord. And then you read Lamentations and it's so painful because it could have been so much easier if the people realized who was speaking. Not to exalt Jeremiah. He's a servant in the Master's house. But to exalt the Master, our Lord, you see? And that's what you see throughout the Bible. People who have these sensitivities. Sensitivities that... Remember like, you know, we, we said a couple weeks ago, like, you know, the the, the radio station, old school radio. Every, everything nowadays is it's digitized. You know, you listen on your computer, your phones or whatever, your device, whatever. But back in the day... We used to have these things called like a radio dial back in the day, and you'd have to little turn the little knob you know turn it here, and you had to get the right station sometimes it was, i mean it it was easy when you have like a big stereo because like you turn the knob and then the the little dial it goes like you know you could turn it and you know you have time you know fine tuning was easy, but if you have a little radio, you know the fine tuning was difficult because you You like turn the knob and like the knob, it goes like a long span. So you got to turn like very, very slowly. But to be on the right frequency. And that's what's so beautiful about sensitivities. Because sensitivities can help, can be an aid in getting into these right, the right frequency. And when I say the right frequency, I speak of oneness with the Lord. But then you have the fool's. The fools that say, oh, you're so stupid. You're so sensitive. You're so sensitive. Come on, you know, why you? Look, he's, he's nothing. You don't even know this guy. You don't even know this lady. But look at Phineas. I don't know if the majority, I doubt. I doubt the majority felt the same way as Phineas. Could be that there were, you know, many, many more, but Phineas, I have a hunch it's a little different for him. It hits him hard. When you read the book of Lamentations, and it hits hard. You see? The most beautiful saints I know are the ones who hurt the most. You see? And Phineas is posing this question, you know, what's up with the altar? What's up with the altar? Is the iniquity in verse 17, is the iniquity of pure not enough for us? From which we are not cleansed to this day, although there was a plague in the congregation of the Lord. Now, remember here that the intercession of Phineas with his javelin. You know, there was a plague in the congregation of the Lord and people were dying. In verse 18, but that you must turn away from this day from following the Lord. Now, this is a question posed to Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh. What's up with the altar? What's up with the altar? And then he says, and it shall be if you rebel today against the Lord, that tomorrow he will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel. Very interesting what we see here. Now, There is definitely cause for concern. Definitely. I mean, I'm not saying that Phineas is bad. I'm not saying that Reuben and Gad and Manasseh, that they're bad. Half Manasseh. I'm not, I'm not saying that there's anything bad here. I mean, it's kind of implied when you, I mean, like, you read the first part of this chapter, it's like, okay, this is good, you know, Reuben, Gadites, half Manasseh, everything's good. And then all of a sudden you see like, well, well, there's this uproar. What's happening? Now, there's definitely, definitely, definitely cause for concern with what has been done in building this altar. Definitely cause for concern. Now, Phineas and these rulers, they speak what is true and right. They speak what is true and right. In saying what they say, but the question is, in saying what they say, does it apply to Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh? Does it apply to them? You see? I mean, verse 17, is the iniquity of Peor not enough? From which we, is it not enough for us? From which we are not cleansed to this day? Although there was a plague in the congregation of the Lord, but that you must turn away this day from following the Lord, and it shall be if emphasis on if if you rebel today against the lord that tomorrow he will be angry with not just you Reuben not just you Gad not just you half Manasseh but the whole congregation of Israel you see rebellion doesn't just impact the rebel it has a trickle effect look at the rebellion you see in families the rebe- I mean in the example we gave the unfaithful husband Now, infidelity, marital infidelity, there's a deeper infidelity there. That's unfaithful to the Lord. You see? And that can trickle. Where you start to see infidelity unto the Lord, unfaithfulness unto the Lord, in wife, in sons, in daughters... There's a trickle effect. Satan, he's a fisherman. You see, and he's very skilled and very crafty. When you see rebellion in families, rebellions in churches, rebellion in the land, and I teach from America. America has changed in the last ten years, in the last five years, in the last fifty years. America has changed. But the problems that are endemic in America aren't unique to America. I mean, you might be listening in China. You're like, hey, you know, welcome to the club. You know, you might be listening in Sweden. Hey, welcome to the club. One of many signs of the last days. I mean, of course, we have biblical examples, Old Testament, New Testament, but look around. We have real world examples too, a plethora of real world examples. Notice here in verse 19. Nevertheless, if the land of your possession is unclean, then cross over to the land of the possession of the Lord where the Lord's tabernacle stands. And take possession among us, but do not rebel against the Lord, nor rebel against us by building yourselves an altar besides the altar of the Lord our God. A very, very valid warning that Phineas has. Listen, I I get what Phineas is saying. I understand what Phineas and these group of men are saying. I under you know they're ready for war. They're ready to fight, and I get it. I understand, I understand both sides, but let's see what's happening here. Notice in, in verse 20, look, did not, Phineas is still speaking. Did not Achan, the son of Zerah, commit a trespass in the accursed thing and wrath fell on the congregation of Israel? Remember the casualties? Israel took casualties. There are wives without husbands. When you, you listen to our study through, uh, Joshua 7, you'll understand. Wives without husbands, sons without dads, daughters without dads, parents without their, son, you know, older parents without their sons. Why? Because they were casualties in war and casualties of war. And why did Israel take casualties? Because of one man, Achan and his wicked decision. You see? And the wrath fell on the congregation of Israel who took casualties with Achan. And that's what Phineas is bringing. I'm so in love with Phineas because he sees, he understands, and he learns. He learned from Achan. He learned from Balak and, you know, the, the, the women that came down. And he's, he's, he learned. Peor, egregious. Phineas learned. Achan, egregious. Phineas learned. In verse 20, he says, And that man, speaking of Achan, did not perish alone in his iniquity. You see, Achan, his sons, his daughters, they were stoned. The wife, me, personally, me, I think she lived. I don't think she was stoned. The Bible doesn't say she was stoned. But sometimes when you hear, like, the mention of, like, the, the patriarch of a home, sometimes that includes the wife. But with specificity, there is, you know, a the sons, the daughters. There's no mention of the wife. And these are things that hit. Fin- I mean, I wonder. I mean, I wonder if all the congregation of Israel... Feels the same way as Phineas does. I doubt it. I doubt it. I mean, there might be, you know, several other people. There might be a lot of people, but a 100% of the congregation of Israel. I doubt that they all felt, they might have felt like a little bit, but Phineas, it's a little different. Just like we gave the example earlier. Say, you know, you're with a group of people. Say you're in a, in a, in a fellowship of Christians. And sin is made known. And then there are people, well, you know, men will be men, no big deal. Little sex here, little sex there, men will be men. Boys will be boys, no big deal. Let's move on. Forgive and forget. But for you, it hurts. It hurts. You'll forgive. I mean, that's the, you know, you'll, you'll forgive. But not, I mean, sometimes people are like, okay, you know, you got to forgive me like that. It's like, well, hold on. What a man sows, a man must also reap. You see? And you can forgive. Remember, we're called to be loving. We're called to be gracious. We're called to be merciful. We're called to be forgiving. But never in the Bible does God call a person to be stupid. You see? Never. And these are things that nobody likes to teach on anymore. That what a man reaps, he must also sow. Or what a man sows, he must also reap. Nobody likes to teach it. They just gloss over it. Oh, yeah, you know, forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. And listen, I'm all for forgiveness. It's biblical. You know, as forgiven people, you know, as on the receiving end of forgiveness, yes, we are to forgive. But several things, it's not always immediate. But also, too, with forgiveness, sometimes things can't be the same. See sometimes it can't be the same, and you know a lot of I see this a lot with infidelity, marital infidelity, where husbands just figure, well, you know, let's get back to normal, let's get back to normal, so what, you know, a couple women here, a couple women there, hey, let's get back to normal, okay, you know, let's go out to eat. No, doesn't work that way, doesn't work that way. What a man sows, he must also reap. Sowing and reaping is part and parcel. Package deal. Look at Phineas, his reference point. Phineas is referencing Peor, the worship of Baal. He's referencing Achan. You see? And when you see the trickle effect of sin, it destroys and you can see it. I mean, I remember a time I was talking with a teenage boy. And in this comment, this is a kid who I've known. And, you know, it's like everything's fine and dandy. Everything's beautiful. But then it changes when dear old dad decides to engage in his sexcapades. And then the young teenager lashes out in behaviors that are uncomely, yes. But they're there for a reason. It's the trickle effect of sin. Of dear old dad. Oh, men will be men. Boys will be boys. No, 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 no. And speaking to this young teenager, he opens up and brings up suicidal thoughts. It's the trickle effect of sin.
1: And Satan is a fisherman. See?
0: You say, well, okay, so in this scenario, you know, he got the husband... By the trickle effect, he got the son. You see? And parents, oh, my kid needs counseling. He needs therapy. No, 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 no. What he doesn't need is a dumb dad. You see? He needs examples of righteousness. The church is in trouble. I mean, we are in the last days, and we're gonna get deeper in the events of the last days. It's gonna get worse and worse and worse and worse. You know what I say? Repent, 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 repent. Be born again. Don't play games with the Lord. Be not lukewarm. Be not cold. Be not lukewarm. Be hot. White hot. You see? And this is nothing. I mean, you, sometimes I talk to people and they're like, well, they, they, you know, the times are crazy. Yeah, the times are crazy. Absolutely. But this is nothing. This is nothing. This is a walk in the park. This isn't even a walk in the park. This is like a little galloping through the lily fields. That's what this is. You think this is bad? It's going to get worse. Much worse. Much, 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 much worse. And you have Christians. Oh, but we're going to be raptured out of here. Oh, <laughs> the rapture is absolutely going to happen. But before the 70th week of Daniel, that's not happening. Again, the resources, they're there. The archives are there. Thewayunderground.com. Go and listen. You can listen to the studies on the rapture. It is not pre-tribulational. It's sad. It breaks my heart because, you know, sometimes, lately, having conversations with Christians, and, you know, sometimes it's debate, you know, where it starts out as debate, you know, where, you know, the rapture is imminent. The rapture is imminent. And there is, is an imminency to the rapture, but not yet. Not yet. Biblically speaking. But in having a conversation where a guy tells me, you know what? I've been a Christian for 20 years and I want to blow my brains out. (laughs) What? Brother, what's happening? Why? Well, because this whole time I believed in the rapture. And we're still here. That's what he tells me. We're still here. Is the Bible not true? Is God a liar? I want to blow my brains out because we're still here. Have this whole time, have I believed a lie? You see? And to talk with these people, Christians, saints, and say, listen, the Bible's not the liar. The pastor was. It was that guy. Oh, but he's well-respected. Look, it's a mega church. That's nice. I don't care about mega. I care about you, brother. You've been taught wrong. The falling away it's already happening. I wonder I can't you know it used to be where it's like, okay, you know in the last days the, the, there's going to be the, uh, the, the the he who now restrains, which is the Holy Spirit. People say, oh no, it's Michael, it's Michael. No, listen to our studies. Everything's archived there. Thewayunderground.com. Go to the studies. You'll see, study about the last days. Everything's archived. It's for you so that you can learn to equip you, to train you, and to prepare. And I'm not talking about, you know, let you know, let's go out in the woods with all our canned foods. No. I mean, there are prophecies about that, where you know the animals are gonna kill. <laughs> you know, you got in the woods, you know, the you know, feed the bears. I have friends. Oh, flee the city. Flee the city. You know, I, you know, what I say, follow the Lord where the Lord calls you, where the Lord calls you, follow him, obey him because he speaks. The question is who's on his frequency, who has ears to hear, who has eyes to see. Flee the city,
1: flee the city. We're
0: going to go live in the woods. Okay. Feed the bears. You want to feed the lions? Okay. Feed the lions. You see? Feed the wolves. And you know, there's spiritual wolves, but you know, there's also literal wolves. Feed the wolves. Go for a nice little walk in the woods. Feed the bears. It's happening. And I can't say, any, like, like, one of my prayers, it's constant prayer, Lord, is, have we reached the time? Have we really reached the time, Lord? My King, have we really reached the time where the restrainer is already lifting? And if so, the time to store your oil, I want to say it's now. But I also want to say is, it was yesterday. You see? the Bible says perilous times for a reason. For a reason. And speaking of Achan, what Phineas is referencing here, listen, he says Achan didn't. That man, speaking of Achan, he didn't perish alone in his iniquity. Sometimes I think about his wife. The wife of Achan. Had she lived, now I, I have a strong hunch that she did live. But you picture a wife. You know, where she's single, the guy gets on his knees, you know, hey baby, will you marry me? I Man, I'm paraphrasing, but I mean, you know, like, and I, you know, that there was, you know, betrothal back in the day, so <laughs> maybe there was no choice. But, you know, they get married. They get married, have their kids, and oh, everything's beautiful. She wakes up one morning. I'm speaking about the wife. She wakes up one morning. Early. Her husband's asleep, the kids are asleep, everything's beautiful. But when she goes to bed that night... She's the only one in her tent. You see? Because husband, kids, sons, daughters, killed. Why? You could say, well, you know, it's because they were stoned. Oh, it's because, you know, they were killed. Yeah, they were killed. Yeah, they were stoned. But you want to know the real reason why? Because of the wicked choice of one man dear old dad you see I often wonder about the wife of Aiken just putting her head on the pillow that night I mean maybe a couple nights later she probably had the sleepless nights I wonder if it would have been different if she were more like Zipporah. You see? Don't forget, it was Zipporah who circumcised her sons, the sons of Moses. And God wanted to kill Moses. Don't forget. And you have the intercession of beautiful wife. I wonder if things could have been different for the wife of Achan. But sometimes I wonder about certain things. And I'm very cautious to share like how I wonder and the things I ponder. Because, you know, listen, we stick to the word of God. I mean, you know, the Bible doesn't say, you know, like, you know, uh, well, you know, things could have been different if was, if Achan's wife was like that. But yet, I wonder. But that's what's so beautiful about these examples of righteousness, such as Zipporah. You see, don't forget, Zipporah was a shepherd. Where did where did Moses learn to shepherd? I wonder. And so Phineas, he's posing these questions like, listen, is this the case? What's up with the altar? He's speaking to Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh like, what's up? What's up with the altar? And look at here in verse 21. Then the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh answered now so they have an opportunity to respond and said to the heads of the divisions of israel the lord god of hosts this is what they say the lord god of gods the lord god of gods he knows and let israel itself know if it is in rebellion or if it is in treachery the very things that, that that phineas just said rebellion and treachery and the response of Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh, they're saying, if it is in rebellion or if it is in treachery against the Lord, do not save us this day. Do not save us this day. You see, they understand Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh. They understand that, you know, these guys came with their, their armament and their war gear and they're coming against us. And listen, if it's rebellion, if it's treachery against the Lord, listen, we're on board don't save us this day if it is rebellion if it is treachery in verse 23 if we have built ourselves an altar to turn from following the lord or if to offer on it burnt offerings or grain offerings or if to offer peace offerings on it let the lord himself require an account let the lord himself require an account you see phineas indeed absolutely phineas has a very valid concern reuben gad and half manasseh now they have an opportunity to explain their reason and that's exactly what they're doing in verse 24 but in fact we have done it for fear you know what's up with the altar that's what's up with the altar we have done it for fear. Notice, it's not in fear. It's for fear. You know how that translates in Hebrew for sorrow, sorrow. So what in the world is happening? They they, they, they built an altar. They built an altar. Reuben Gad half Manasseh. They built an altar on the west side of the Jordan. They built an altar. And word goes to Israel and they have a serious beef with it. What's up with the altar? What's up with the altar? Because listen, if you're, you know, Peor, do you not remember Peor? You see, do you not remember Achan? And you're going to do this? Reuben, Gad, half Manasseh, what's up? What's up with the altar? And now they're explaining and they're saying we have done it in verse 24 for fear, not in fear for fear. It's for sorrow. So what's happening? We have done it for fear, they say. For a reason, saying in time to come. Now there are major prophetic implications regarding this time to come. Major prophetic implications, of which we'll study down the road in due time. But in time to come, This is their response. We've done it for fear or for sorrow. And this is what they say, that in time to come, your descendants may speak to our descendants. So we have like, it's the camp of Israel, but now you're starting to see little divisions, if you will. Where there's this distinction of west of the Jordan and east of the Jordan. There is distinction between Israel and Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh, and in seeing that distinction, I mean, there's that literal line of demarcation, which is the River Jordan. But Gad, Reuben, Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh—they're explaining and they're saying that in time to come, your descendants may speak to our descendants. Saying, what have you to do with the Lord God of Israel? It's almost like a... Remember, I shouldn't say it's almost like... It straight up is. It's for sorrow. This is what he says in verse 24. It's for sorrow. It's for fear, which translates in Hebrew as sorrow. That's why we're doing this. Because in the future generations, your descendants, Phineas... Your, I mean, hes not saying this like in a. There's no animosity here. He's saying, "Listen, if, 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 if like verse 22, if in rebellion, if in treachery, listen, don't save us. We're not—we're not gonna fight you, because if rebellion is in our heart, if treachery is in our heart, listen, do what you gotta do, Phineas. Take your javelin, do what you gotta do. Don't save us. And I love that. Remember, nakedness. I love that. Fully exposed. And I do not say that carnally. I mean, if your mind goes off in crazy town, you know, repent. In your mind. I say that spiritually. An open book. I got nothing to hide. We got nothing to hide. Look, at Reuben, Gad, half nessa we got nothing to hide. And if that were the case, if it were rebe- rebellion, if it were treachery, listen, we're not going to fight you. You come with your war gear, Phineas... We remember your javelin. So listen, if you got to handle business, if, if we're rebellious, if we're treacherous against the Lord, hey, handle business. I'm not going to fight you. And he said it, we did it not in fear. We did it for fear, for sorrow, because your descendants in time to come may speak to our descendants saying, what have you to do with the Lord God of Israel? Question mark. What have you to do? Look, we're Israel. We're west of the Jordan. You're east of the Jordan. What do you have to do with Israel? What do you have to do with the Lord God of Israel? You see, division. It's a safety measure to prevent that division. Even though divisions, I mean, we're seeing a little glimpse of it now, but divisions... It will happen. And you have this safety precaution that Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh, that's why they did it for fear. For fear. For sorrow. To prevent that. Because in time to come, the descendants may speak to our, your descendants may speak to our descendants, saying, what have you to do with the Lord God of Israel? For the Lord, in verse 25, has made the Jordan. The Jordan. That's a big deal. The Lord has made the Jordan a border between you and us. Of all the bodies and flowings of water. The very fact that Jesus, son of David. I'll say it another way. Jesus Son of man, son of David, son of God. High priest in the order of Melchizedek. The very fact that Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan it's a big deal. A huge deal. You see, the Pharisees they should have picked up on this. You see, but remember the law has a door and You go in that door of the law There are other doors Passageways First chamber Fear of the Lord Next chamber Trust in the Lord Next chamber Love Of the Lord And love in the Lord Next chamber after that Faith Very few reach that chamber The next after that Jesus, you see, the Pharisees, they didn't understand. They should have understood, but they didn't. They were blinded. You see, they were blind, blind guides. And what does Jesus say? If the blind follow the blind, both fall into a ditch. There's a reason why we say jump ship. There's a reason. Jesus says, if the blind follow the blind, follow the blind so picture this you have a blind leader and then you have blind sheep and if the blind sheep follow the blind leader he doesn't say the leader falls into a ditch he says the leader falls into the ditch with the sheep you see There's a reason why we say jump ship. We say jump ship and welcome aboard. You see? Blindness doesn't have to be the case. But the question is, who has ears to hear and who has eyes to see? The Pharisees should have known these very things, you see, but they didn't have the mixture of faith. Remember, it's a... That chamber that leads to faith. Very, very few tread that. And, you know, Hannah did it. Samuel did it. You see? Jeremiah did it. Amos did it. Beautiful. They didn't even... Moses did it. Rahab did it. Rahab. You see? Rahab. I mean, if you remember our studies about Rahab, that's, and in the lineage of Jesus is Rahab, a former prostitute, a former harlot, you see? And her encounter with the Lord, no, she, she was her encounter with, with the Lord was while she was a harlot, and I love that. Because sometimes people have the idea, well, you know what, my life is dirty and I'm going to get cleaned up and then I'll walk with the Lord. You know, because I'm too dirty to be with the Lord. No. Jesus cleans his own fish. You're a prostitute? That's nice. Come to Christ. You see? You're on meth? That's nice. Come to Christ. I don't care about the sex, the drugs, the rock and roll. I don't care. And you know what? Jesus didn't care either. But remember, Jesus says, go and sin no more. He said, but I'm addicted. I'm addicted to the meth. I'm addicted to the crack. I'm addicted to the cooking spoons. I'm addicted to the lines. I'm addicted to this. I'm addicted to that. Listen, there is healing in Jesus Christ. There is healing in Jesus Christ. I'll say it a third time. There absolutely is healing in Jesus Christ. I'll say it a fourth time. There is healing in Jesus Christ. You say, wait a second. This guy who's a pastor says that was for another dispensation. That's nice. Tell him to go fly a kite. He's blind. He's blind. He's a blind guide. And blind guides don't fall into ditches by themselves. They have company. You see? Don't follow the blind. The Pharisees, they should have... You know, I could understand questioning Jesus. Not like interrogation. Not like, you know, hey, you know, Jesus, sit down here and they put a big lamp in his face and interrogate him. But I could understand questioning Jesus... Not with a skeptical heart, but in terms of an overseer protecting the people that, you know, the Pharisees are tasked to shepherd. I could understand questioning Jesus. To make sure. But the Pharisees should have seen. The Pharisees didn't see, though. Verse 25 is a big deal here because the Jordan, the Lord has made a border between you and us. The very place that Jesus was baptized, the very place that the spirit came down and the voice was heard. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. It's a big deal. And so we see here in verse twenty-five: For the Lord has made the Jordan a border between you and us, you children of Reuben and the, and children of Gad. You have no part in the Lord. You see, this is this is you know th- this is what what Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh are saying in verse 24, remember, they're saying, like, you know, if your descendants should speak to our descendants, saying you have no part in the Lord. It's, it, it's not Reuben and Gad saying that to, and, and, you know, half Manasseh. They're not saying that to Phineas. Well, they're saying it to Phineas, but, you know, from, like, you know, the third person, like, I don't even know if you can say the third person because it's the third person, but for a future generation, you know, in the time to come, your descendants may speak to our descendants, saying, in verse 25, you have no part in the Lord. You see? You have no part in the Lord. And to prevent that, remember, in verse 24, we have done it for fear. We have done it for sorrow. Because we don't want this to happen for the future generation. But we do it in fear. We do it, we do it for fear. We do it for sorrow. Because you know what? It's gonna happen. And you know what? It does happen. And you know what else? It is happening today.
1: These divisions.
0: You have no part in the Lord. That's what that's what they want to prevent from happening. And so look at verse 25. So your descendants would make our descendants cease fearing the Lord. Remember, it's for remembrance for a future generation. And I love this so much. Even as this small group enters rest. Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh. The rest of their brethren. and Their brethren have entered their rest. And even as they themselves, Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh enter rest, east of the Jordan, they're still concerned about rest for the future generation. (laughs) That's beautiful. And we see in verse 26, Therefore we said, Let us now prepare to build ourselves an altar, not, it's not for burnt offerings nor for sacrifice. That's not the purpose of this altar. It's not for burnt offerings, not for sacrifice. In verse 27, but that it may be a witness between you and us and our generations after us, that we may perform this, that we may perform the service of the Lord before him, with our burnt offerings, with our sacrifices, and with our peace offerings that your descendants may not say to our descendants in time to come, you have no part in the Lord. You see? Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh, they're saying, listen, the future, our future generations, your descendants are going to say to our descendants, you have no part in the Lord because of this demarcation of the Jordan River. And to prevent that from happening, in verse 27, that your descendants may not say to our descendants in time to come that you have no part in the Lord. That's why. This altar is a witness between you and us. It's not for burnt offerings. It's not for sacrifice. It's a witness. In verse 28, Therefore, Therefore, we said that it will be when they say this to us or to our generations in time to come, that we may say, here is the replica. Notice in the Hebrew, this is here is the likeness, the likeness of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made, though not for burnt offerings, nor for sacrifices. That's not what it's for. That altar, that's a different altar. This altar is a witness. And he says it's not for burnt offerings, it's not for sacrifices, but it is a witness between you and us. So notice, at this locale, the Jordan, you have, remember our studies in the earlier chapters, you have stones in the water, you have stones outside the water, you have a place for offering sacrifice and also a likeness of another the baptism of jesus in the jordan river it is no small thing in verse 29 far be it from us that we should rebel against the lord the very concern that phineas had and israel they had you know like what in the world? what is up with this altar what are they doing and they're testifying far be it from us that we should rebel against the lord their concern is for notice the other tribes they've entered their rest they've entered their inheritance Lastly, you have Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh. And I say lastly because, yes, it's lastly, but their concern is not just for the brethren of the time. It's for the brethren of a future time. And they're putting safeguards in place. You see? And he says in verse 29, listen. Listen. He's saying, Far be it from us that we should rebel against the Lord and turn from following the Lord this day to build an altar for burnt offerings. And He said, That's not what it's for. It's not for burnt offerings. It's not for offerings at all. It's not for sacrifice. He says, Far be it from us that we should rebel against the Lord and turn from following the Lord this day to build an altar for burnt offerings, for grain offerings, or for sacrifices besides the altar of the Lord our God, which is before his tabernacle. It's so powerful. Yes, there was a little misunderstanding, you could say. Well, I mean, like straight up, like what, what what's up the altar? But when they give their answer, it's quite beautiful. Safeguards. Concern for the future generation. You see? You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Paul when he's writing a letter to Timothy. Teach sound doctrine, Timothy. Because you teach sound doctrine, you're going to save yourself and those who hear you. Paul pouring into the next generation. You see? Beautiful. In verse 30, Now in Phineas, the priests and the rulers of the congregation, the heads of the division of Israel who were with him, heard the words that the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the children of Manasseh spoke, it pleased them. You see, it pleased them. So with Phineas and these rulers, there was absolutely cause for concern, but the reason has been given now, and they are pleased. You see, with regard to the Pharisees, Jesus was very open at the beginning of his interactions with them, but towards the end, less open. I mean, towards the very end, silent. See, I can understand the questioning of Jesus. In fact, it's completely agreeable. I mean, more in a Nicodemus kind of way. Not like, you know, interrogation. Like, you know, hey, Jesus, sit down here. We're going to put a lamp in your face. And you're going to answer these questions. No, 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 no. He is Lord. Remember? He is Lord. But with Nicodemus,
1: just asking questions
0: and that's that's what phineas is doing i mean (laughs) phineas is ready for war i mean he's like you know ready to fight you know you know you know we got to make sure you know we got to make sure that you know there's nothing 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 mangy will say nothing mangy Nothing mangy with Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh. Nothing mangy. And Phineas has these sensitivities that are propellants. These sensitivities are the very things that are used to help advance him in the Lord. And that's one of many beauties of sensitivities. The fool says, Oh, you're so sensitive. You're too sensitive. Why are you concerned about this guy? Why are you concerned about this lady? And I'll say it again. The most radiant, beautiful, and precious saints I know, male and female, they hurt they hurt for the body of Christ. They're in pain for the body of Christ. They have sensitivities for the body of Christ. But that's also the heart of God. Long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all come to Him. You see, unity for the sake of unity... Isn't always a good thing. I should say. Isn't always a good thing. It isn't a good thing. Unity for the sake of unity. And in these last days. You're seeing church partnering. It's on the rise. Where you know. You have denominations. Partnering with denomination. And denomination over here. Partnering here. Partnering here. Partnering here. Partnering here. And you think. Okay. Unity. Unity. That's a good thing. And unity. For the sake of unity. It is not a good thing it seems fine but it isn't when you understand the formula the biblical formula of righteousness you understand these are things that paul warned about the very things that paul warned about remember anyone who causes division contrary to sound doctrine Nowadays, we have the opposite. It's like, you know, the, you, know, the, the, don't, you know, don't cause division, don't cause division, don't cause division. Unity, unity, unity. But wait a second. What about doctrine? Unity into Remember Israel? They were unified. Israel was unified. You think, wow, that's a good thing. But, you know, disclaimer, they wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb. Was their unity a good thing? No, because they were in disobedience. See? Oh, but unity is a good thing. Yes, it's a good thing when it's biblical. You see? Harlotry under a mother of harlots, that's prophesied to happen. Harlotry. The falling away and harlotry under the mother of harlots that will come to pass. You see? And so you have Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh. They give their reason. They explain exactly this is what's up with the altar. It's not for sacrifice, it's not for offering, it's a witness. You see? And it pleased them. He says in verse 30, it pleased them. In verse 31, Then Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, said to the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the children of Manasseh, This day we perceive that the Lord is among us, because you have not committed this treachery against the Lord. Now you have delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of the Lord. And I love this, how Phineas, you see, how these sensitivities propel him. These sensitivities are things that, dare I say, fuel him. And that's what's so beautiful about remembrance. And I'm cautious to say that. Because sometimes, you know, you understand that, you know, like... When you drive, if you keep your eyes in the rear view mirror, you're going to crash. Because the larger glass is the windshield. And we look forward. You know, stop sign, we stop. Green light, we go. Red light, we stop. Get the speed sign, okay, the speed says, you know, 65 miles, you go 65 miles. Or keep it under, you know, keep it, you know. But that's not to say that, you know, all the mirrors are gone. There are mirrors there. It's not the larger pane of glass. There's smaller glasses. Smaller, you know the one in the on the 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 roof, the upper one, you got the two on the side. There's mirrors there for a reason. And sometimes the pain of the past can be. The very thing that the Lord uses as fuel for the future. You see? I could get more in depth in saying that, but I'm cautious. I'm very cautious. I wish, I wish every single one of you, I wish I could just sit down at a park bench cup of coffee, cup of tea, whatever your pleasure, and just talk with you, fellowship with you. And one day, this side of eternity, maybe that will come to pass. Maybe the Lord will bless me in that. We can share in some laughs, fellowship, pray, embrace. But sometimes I wish I could just pour a little deeper but I'm very cautious in explaining these things about the past because I don't want any of us to dwell on the past that's dangerous I mean if you're driving and you have your eyes stuck in the mirror you're gonna crash but from time to time a little gander in the mirror it's necessary not to keep our eyes focused in the mirror our focus is, you know, the bigger glass, the bigger pane. But the mirrors are still there for a reason. And it's in those moments when we reflect on the past. And not reflect on the past in terms of, you know, to dwell on it. But to reflect in the past in terms of the goodness of the Lord. And how good He is. And how faithful He is. And yes, Even through the pain and even in the pain, he proved himself faithful. And those are the very things that the Lord can use as fuel for us. And so we look at verse 32. And Phinehas the son of Eliezer the priest and the rulers returned from the children of Reuben and the children of Gad from the land of Gilead to the land of Canaan to the children of Israel and brought back word to them. Verse 33 in closing. So the thing pleased the children of Israel and the children of Israel blessed God. They spoke no more of going against them in battle to destroy the land where the children of Reuben and Gad dwelt. The children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar witness. For it is a witness between us that the Lord is good. Now, something very interesting. You see Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh. But here in verse 34, and not just here in verse 34, you see like in like in in uh uh in verse 32 they return from the children of reuben and the children of gad it's like well wait a second what happened to manasseh and so in verse 34 the children of reuben and the children of gad what happened to manasseh well what did happen to manasseh you see what happened is if you've been walking with us for a while You remember way back in our studies, way back in our studies in Genesis. And you remember Manasseh. Manasseh wasn't a son of Jacob. He was grandson. You see? And grandson of Jacob, but Son of Joseph, born of a Gentile. That you see that exclusion of Manasseh here in verse 34. The children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar witness. It's like, well, wait a second, what happened to Manasseh? It is a witness. For it is a witness between us that the Lord is good. Now, the baptism, the baptism of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the Jordan River, it is no small thing. All Israel will be saved. And all Israel, there is the Gentile inclusion in the law and in the fulfillment of the law. You see? And I love that we see this exclusion of Manasseh because Manasseh isn't the son of Jacob. He's the son of Joseph, born of a Gentile. And yet, inheritance you see what the lord is doing what the lord has done i I want to say it's wild but in no disrespect to the lord but it is so beautifully wild and i just echo the words here that is written in verse 34 the lord is good The baptism of Jesus in the River Jordan, that great River Jordan, where the voice was heard, here is my son, in whom I am well pleased. It is no small thing. To the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days, God bless you. I love you.